0: Oh, uh, there it is. Okay, awesome. Uh, y'all, thanks for having me. Will, thanks for having me. This is, uh, it's a joy to be here. Look, can I just ask this question again? How many, how many seniors do we have in the room? Do we have any, a handful of seniors? Okay, so a handful of y'all. And and Aggies, do we have a few Aggies in here or potential Aggies maybe? Okay, awesome. Uh, okay, great. Has, also, can I also see, has everybody here heard of RUF? Like, Any hand, everybody heard of Reform University Fellowship? Okay, awesome. Well, listen, it's a joy to be here. Um, Will and I, when we were talking, we think this is just a great opportunity for y'all. Especially, I mean, if you're a junior and senior and you're considering college and you're just thinking about like, man, like, where's a safe place I can go and hear the gospel and know that this is a place where I can come and belong and believe Jesus and walk with other believers. We want RUF to be that. It is the campus ministry of the PCA church. So uh, yeah, we want to continue to cultivate that. And uh, and yeah, so I'm grateful to be here. I also want to say this, okay? Uh, we are, we're, doing this for the first time, Conrad, any SMU people in here? Anybody going to SMU? Okay. Conrad Akiras, who's the campus minister of RUF at SMU, him and I have kind of gotten together along with PCPC, and we're going to have something called Dallas Summer RUF this June and July. Okay. So if you are in Dallas area during June and July that's gonna be at 7 30 every Wednesday night hosted here at PCPC and we're gonna have different campus ministers from all over uh Baylor and uh, TCU Arkansas Ole Miss we're all gonna be coming I'm gonna be there the last uh week week of July and so that's gonna be happening this summer every Wednesday night we'd love for you to be there uh especially if you're a senior and you're graduating you're kind of learning a little bit more about RUF um quick snapshot of my my life very quickly, born and raised in Memphis, Tennessee. Okay, I did undergrad at Mississippi State, got really involved with RUF when I was an undergrad at State, met my wife through RUF, ended up going to do the RUF internship at Auburn for two years. And then uh, I went to go uh, to seminary at Reformed Theological Seminary in Charlotte, North Carolina for four years. And then I accepted the call two years ago to come and serve as the RUF campus minister at Texas A&M. So, Texas is new to us. We've loved Texas. It's a fascinating, amazing place. Um, Bucky's was new to us when we got here, so it's incredible. But, um, all right. This morning, I want to consider a topic for us, okay? Specifically God's will and what it looks like to relate to God's will. So, I have one verse for us this morning, okay? Let me read that, and I'm going to pray for us. All right. This is 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning of verse 3. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. Let's pray. Father God, uh, I thank you this morning for this opportunity to be able to open up your word, to be able to talk about who you are and your sovereignty. Lord, you are gracious and kind and abounding in steadfast love. I pray this morning would not just be informative for our minds, but transformative for our hearts. Would we leave this morning uh, left, not left unchanged? Uh, Lord, by your grace, Uh, would you continue to transform us by your grace in Jesus name. Amen. All right. Look, a part of the reason I chose to speak on relating to God's will this morning is because many of you right now, especially if you're a junior and senior, right? You're in a season where your relationship questions, okay? and, And questions about the future are starting to press in, right? Like, which colleges, colleges should I apply to? Like, which college should I go to once I'm accepted? What should I major in? What do I, what do I want to do with my life? Like, what does it look like to be a friend? Who do I want to date and eventually marry? And so on, right? The Christian, at least, is trying to think of these things in relation to God and his will, what he wants, For example, okay, uh, Eddie had been noticing Katie for a while, right? Some social situations. And they've been Snapchatting, texting a little bit. And as far as Eddie can read, like, okay, I think Katie is, like, into me, right? And he, like, shows his friends, like, hey, what do you think these Snapchats and these texts? And they're like, oh, yeah, she's definitely into you. Like, and the communication kind of, like, keeps increasing. And Eddie's sure, okay, I want to date Katie, I'm going to start pursuing her. Right. And then Katie, she thinks Eddie's a good guy, but it's just not there. Right. And so Katie starts asking, okay, God, would you show me if I, if I should keep getting to know Eddie, right. Asking that he would actually begin to make it clear. Well, after a couple of weeks, she decides she respects Eddie enough. She's going to tell him. And so she comes up to Eddie and she's like, look, Eddie, like you're a great guy. I just don't think we should date. I think we should be friends. So, Eddie's friend zoned, and he says, All right, like, why? Like, what did I do wrong? And Katie says, Nothing, but I've been praying and asking God for clarity, and I think God is telling me that I'm not ready to date you. I don't think it's God's will for me to date you right now. Eddie, obviously disappointed, not only because he's been dumped by Katie, but it also kind of feels like he's been dumped by God himself, too, right? Now, I don't know how that lands with you or sounds to you. For some of you, that may be a little triggering, especially if you're like investigating Christianity this morning, right? I'm not trying to shame Katie because some of you in here maybe have been on the giving and receiving end of that at some point, or maybe you will at some point in your life, right? There's grace for both. Okay. But it's an illustration of the struggle of how we relate to God's will and how that impacts and transforms our life and our relationships, so I want to look at three things this morning as we study what it means to relate to God's will. So if you're a note taker, here you go, okay? All right, we're going to look at defining God's will, the struggle with God's will, and the application of God's will, okay? The defining God's will, the struggle with God's will, and the application of God's will. All right, first, defining God's will. What does the Bible mean when it talks about God's will, right? I think that can be actually one of the most confusing phrases in the Christian vocabulary, Because what I think causes that confusion is that we talk about God's will in different ways, right? Sometimes we speak about God's will about all things happening according to God's will. Other times we talk about God's will of being obedient and doing the will of God, right? And still other times we talk about finding God's will for my life. So when talking about relating to God's will... Right, it depends on what part of God's will that we're all, that we're actually talking about, right? Right, your friend says to you, "Hey, let's go. I don't know, hang out and meet up at, at Houndstooth Coffee." Okay, and you hop in your in the car and you're on the way, and you realize, "Oh wait, like which Houndstooth Coffee are you talking about? Are you talking about the one at North Park Center? Are you talking about the one at Highland Park, or are you talking about the one right off of I 30 Right, all of them are, share the same name and are connected in some way. But each location is different in its own way as well, right? Kevin DeYoung in his book, Just Do Something, he really helpfully lays out how scripture demonstrates God's will in three categories. If you have not read that, I'd really encourage you to do that, especially as you're launching off into college. But what he does is the first two of these, he lays out really clearly, but the last one is a little bit more complicated than we would like. So when defining the will of God, scripture holds out for us three categories, okay? First is God's will of decree or God's secret will, right? Sometimes when the scriptures talk about God's will, it's in relation to everything that's happening in the world. This refers to what God ordains, All right? Everything in world history, past, present, and future comes to pass according to God's sovereign decree, right? It's unchanging, can't be thwarted. God is sovereign over everything, nature and nations, animals and angels, spirits and Satan, wonderful people and wicked people, even disease and death, right? This is what we mean by God's will of decree, which is taught in numerous passages of scripture. But for time's sake, let me just read one for you, okay? Matthew chapter 10, verses 29 says this. Jesus is talking, he says, "'Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, and not one of them fall to the ground apart from your father?' but even the hairs on your head are numbered. See, Jesus picks an admittedly an ordinary event, a sparrow falling to the ground and every hair follicle on your head or lack thereof, right? And says like, that doesn't happen apart from the will of God. God does not plan out a few big ticket items of our lives. Like he knows and ordains every detail to borrow from a very old smart theologian, Augustine, he said this, the will of God is the necessity of all things, which means that God's will of decree, okay, this first category, it's actually meant to bring you comfort, meaning that your life in this world, it's never out of control. Charles Spurgeon said this, that the sovereignty of God is the pillow upon which the child of God rests his head at night, giving perfect peace. So you can rest at ease knowing that there is no out-of-control random happenings in this world according to the Christian worldview, okay? So are you in the will of God this morning? Yes. <laughs> of course you are. Is it, was it God's will for you to be at PCPC Youth Group this morning? Absolutely. That's God's will of decree. He's sovereign and he ordains everything past, present, and future for his glory and his good purposes. That's the first category, okay? Okay. The second category is this, is God's will of desire or his revealed will, right? Another way scripture talks about God's will is how he clearly desires you and I to live in obedience to him. Listen to 1 John chapter 2, verse 16 through 17. It says this, "...for all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires." but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Do you hear it? At the will of God in this passage, it does not refer refer to how God ordains things, but to the way that God commands us to live. Listen to Hebrews 13, 20 through 21. This is going somewhere. I promise. Okay. Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead, our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep by the blood of the eternal covenant, Equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in that which is pleasing in his his sight through Jesus Christ. So the will of God, his will of desire, means that you do what is pleasing in his sight. And I think the Apostle Paul sums up God's will of desire clearly in what I started, what I read with to begin this sermon, right? First Thessalonians 4 3 says this: For this is the will of God, your sanctification. Okay, so God's revealed will, his will of desire, is always for your sanctification, your growth, your holiness. You dying into your sin and becoming more like his beloved son, Jesus. These are the two categories that scripture talks and how define, defines God's will, okay? Listen to Deuteronomy twenty nine, twenty nine. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children, that we may do all the words of, his, of this law. Okay, so this is the closest that we come to finding God's will of decree and his will of desire side by side in the same verse. God has secret things only known to him, but he's also revealed things that we are meant to know and obey. God's will of decree and his will of desire. And then there's a third way, okay? A third way that we speak of sometimes of God's will, because most of the time, what we're really looking for is God's will of direction, right? Right? This third way stems from the idea that God has a personal, specific plan for each person's life in this room. And actually, the psalmist rejoices in that. In Psalm 139, verse 16, speaking to God, David says this, Your eyes saw my unformed substance, and your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. So King David in the Psalms is rejoicing in the fact that God is personal and so sovereign that all the days of David's life, Are planned out for him. This is where things get complicated, okay? (laughs) Because now we are into the scores of the who, the what, the how, and the when parts of my life that aren't God's moral revealed decisions that we make. Right? Instead, you hear God's will of direction and the questions that we all ask this morning. Right? Who should I room with next year? What should I major in? Should I rush or not rush? What organization do I join? why and who who do i marry what job should i take what does god want me to do with my life that's where we hear god's will of direction when we're ask, asking those questions and this bleeds into our second point okay the struggle of god's will a lot shorter than my first point i promise all right because here's the heart of the matter does god have a specific plan for your life yes can we look back on our lives and sometimes trace God's hand in bringing us to where we are? Absolutely. Can we rest assured that God works things for our good in Jesus Christ no matter what? Yes and amen. But the question is, does God have a secret will of direction for our lives that he expects us to figure out before we do anything? No, never. While we are free to ask God for wisdom, God does not burden us with the task of figuring out his will of direction for our lives ahead of time. So if you hear anything this morning about this guy from RUF at Texas A&M, okay, this is what I want you to hear. Does God have a specific plan for our lives? Yes, But but it is not one that he expects us to figure out before we make a decision. Let me say that again. Does God have a specific plan for our lives? Yes, but it is not one that he expects us to figure out before we make a decision. Let me be clear. I'm not saying God won't help you make decisions. It's called wisdom. and We're going to talk about that in a second. I'm not saying that God doesn't care about your future. He absolutely does. Neither am I saying that that God isn't directing your path and in control amidst all the chaos in your life. Right, we believe in RUF and and here at PCPC in Providence with all of our hearts, okay? What I am saying is what Kevin DeYoung put so clearly. We should stop thinking of God's will like a corn maze or a bullseye or a tightrope or a choose your own adventure novel. Have you ever, has anybody in here ever read a choose your own adventure story, right? I don't know if you play video games or like if you read, but, but like if you've ever read this, right? When you're reading a choose your own adventure story, you get to a turning point in the story and you have two choices to make. Like, for example, like if you want to leave the country, turn to page 23. Or if you want to hide out in a cave, turn to page 36. But oops, you turn to page 36 and the cave turns out to be like the side of a volcano and you die. Right? You made the wrong choice. <laughs> really fun for children's books, but not so much fun if that's how God's will works in your life. Because if we're honest this morning, like many of us, we just fear that we're going to go to the wrong school. We're going to pick the wrong roommate, right? We're going to declare the wrong major or I'm going to go to the wrong university. And my life is just going to blow up. We'll be out of God's will, doomed to spiritual and relational and physical failure. We'll miss God's best and have to settle for an alternate endings of our lives. That's the fear for most of us. So the second question is why? (laughs) Why? Why are so many Christians desperate to find out God's plans for their lives? Why do we struggle so much waiting for God to reveal his will for the direction for our lives? Let me just suggest four quick reasons. First, normally, all of this struggle starts with a genuine longing to want to please God, right? A lot of people, most all of you probably, work from the assumption that God has picked out a plan for my life. I need to figure that out because if I miss it, then I'm going to let God down, right? If the Lord thinks I need to go to Texas A&M, I don't want to end up at Texas, right? Like if the Lord thinks I should go to Baylor, I don't want to end up at T- TCU, right? Or if we're supposed to, sorry for throwing those two schools in the bus, right? Like, but if we're like, if we're supposed to major in chemical engineering, we don't want to major in finance, right? If I was meant to go to the mission, field, I don't want to land in suburbia, right? We want to do what God wants and that's good. But this is not how the will of God works. It's not your responsibility to have God's will of direction figured out before you make any decision. While there may be a good intent, what happens is our misdirected piety makes following God more mysterious than it was actually ever meant to be. And it can quickly turn into paralyzing worry and procrastination, and sometimes never making a decision at all. So that's the first reason is that out of a good intent, we want to honor and please God, but sometimes that's misdirected. And second is this, a second reason why we're so desperate to find God's will in our lives is because we want perfect fulfillment. Whether we admit it or not this morning, we all want the good life, right? Is it wrong to make a lot of money in your vocation? No. Is it wrong to want to have a job that provides for your family and to be faithful in it? Of course not. Is it wrong for you to marry this person that you just think is the best? No. But I am suggesting that maybe so much of our struggle to unearth God's will for your life and why that decision process feels so weighty is because maybe it's a symptom of you truly wanting to experience heaven on earth. Because when every experience and situation must be rewarding and put us on the road of complete fulfillment, then suddenly decisions about where to live or who to room with or what house we buy or, well, that's not happening right now, but like what dorm we're in, whether we sit with this friend group or that friend group, those decisions in that process seems to take on a lot of weighty and unnecessary significance to the point that I answer I have to have an answer or someone tell me what to do because what I desire deep down is perfect fulfillment. That's the second reason is the danger of chasing the good life. The third is this, is the third reason we're so desperate to find God's will in our lives is because we have too many choices. Y'all need to hear this morning. Okay. <laughs> like past generations really didn't struggle with this as much. Like, and I'm really sympathetic to this. You, you all this morning have millions upon millions of choices at your fingertips. You just do. But when you have anything and everything all of the time, that makes things more complicated because the result is this endless stream of opportunities. We can enter the transfer portal and go to any school we want, right? We can major in hundreds of different things. We have hundreds of different career options and opportunities. I can live almost anywhere I want. We have millions of choices. So there's no surprise like, why we're always thinking about the greener grass on the other side of the fence. F- FOMO still exists, that fr- it still exists, right? We have this constant fear of missing out that if we make a decision, we're gonna have buyer's remorse. And those of you who play fantasy football know exactly what I mean, okay? I, yes, Justin Jefferson, I did draft him, but um, right. But if we think to ourselves if we choose option A, we're gonna feel the sting of not having option B or C or D, right? And as a result, having to make a choice feels worse than not having to make a choice at all. One author said this, that our freedom to do anything and go anywhere ends up feeling like bondage more than freedom because decision-making feels like pain and not pleasure. Do you feel that? Especially you seniors and juniors who are thinking about college and making that decision. I'm suggesting that our eagerness to know God's will is probably less indicative of a heart desperately wanting to obey God and sometimes more about our head spinning with all the choices that we make. And I'm sympathetic towards that. And lastly is this, okay? Our eagerness in demanding God to reveal his will of direction for our lives is because we are anxious and terrified of the future. Matthew 6, verses 30 through 34 says this. Jesus says, but if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or drink or wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. You see, worry and anxiety are not merely bad habits or idiosyncrasies. They are sinful fruits that blossom from the root of unbelief. And Jesus doesn't treat the obsession of the future as just kind of a personal quirk, or that's just kind of who I am. But instead, it's evidence of little faith. And you're looking at a man right now, constantly struggles with fear and anxiety, constantly repenting of that. We all struggle with this, some more than others, but anxiety is living out the future before it happens instead of trusting a God who truly cares for you. And this leads us to our last point, promises getting, we're getting there, okay? The application of God's will. So is there a better way of relating to God's will? Yes. Yes. According to 1 Thessalonians 4.3, God's will for you is your sanctification, becoming more like his son Jesus. And according to Matthew 6.33, the way we do that is to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That is his revealed will for our lives. It's not a sexy silver bullet that you may have been looking for. It's always easy, but it is clear. See, God, God wants you to buy a house to make you holy, He wants you to take an internship one day in college to make you holy. If you marry, he wants you to get married so that you can be holy. Count on it, whether you are in Dallas or Denver one day, whether you are single or married, whether you are in med school or working for NASA, whether you are in trial or in tribulation, Whether you decide to ask her out. And one day, guys, you should. Don't make her be a detective, okay? Just do it. And if she says no, respect that, all right? But like, God's will for you is your sanctification. He set you apart that you would grow to become more like his son, Jesus. So maybe, just maybe, all of those decisions in your lives that feel life-threatening may not be as life-threatening when you realize that your life is, is actually your purpose your telos is meant to become more like Jesus no matter what you do and the hope is that the more you center your heart on seeking god's kingdom and his righteousness all the decisions that follow will become a little less weighty knowing that i can cast my fear on an anxiety on a god who cares for me and who loves me and the fulfillment of my life does not rest on my decision but it rests on him PCPC, let that free you. (laughs) Like, I want you to recognize that all of these questions, where I'm going to live, what job will I get out of college, who am I going to marry, all of these are are decisions of wisdom. And when we talk about wisdom, we're not just talking about witty aphorisms and homespun advice, okay? We're talking about a profoundly God-centered approach to life and all life's decisions, right? And, And as God is sanctifying you, okay, To become more like his son, Jesus, God gives us three practical ways in the book of Proverbs to walk in wisdom and make decisions, all right? We're descending, I promise. Because in relating to God's will, we're called to seek wisdom through God's word. God knows that what what Will was talking about earlier, that what we become, that we become actually what we behold, and he develops us into wise people becoming like his son when we behold him in his word. So just one example, apply this to dating. Right, God clearly tells you in the word that if you want to be married, you both need to be equally yoked. Does the girl that I want to ask out love Jesus? Does the guy that, that I want to ask me out love Jesus? And if, if they don't, it's not his will for you to date him or her. If she does and he does, then make the decision and go for it. That's just one example of exercising wisdom. Secondly is this, in relating to God's will, we're called to seek wisdom through prayer. James says that if you realize you lack wisdom, then ask for it. So instead of maybe asking for something God doesn't promise, ask for wisdom. Pray for the things that you know God wants to develop and is already true in his will. Pray for humility in decision making. Pray that you would think about these decisions not out of a place of fear and anxiety, but in a place of assurance of God's love for you. Pray that you would trust his care for you and be willing to deny yourself to follow him and love others well. That you would be leaning into what's already true in God's word. Pray for those things and make a decision. And finally is this, in relation to God's will, we are called to seek wisdom through the counsel from others. Get good counsel from people who know you, who see things differently from you. Proverbs says this, the fool is wise in his own eyes. We need trusted friends. You need one another this morning. You need parents and teachers and mentors who are actually able to look into your life and speak truth into your life. Study the scriptures, listen to others, pray continually. That's the best course of action, not just in the moment of crisis, but a way of life and making a decision. I'll end with this. Heard a story about uh, a young boy who was blind and, and uh, he got old enough to the point where him and his dad he actually told his dad, he's like, Dad, I want to walk to school on my own this morning. And his dad was like, Okay. So they started practicing for months and months, where they would wake up each morning, he'd walk with his dad, and they would count the steps, and he'd count the turns, and he'd arrive at school. And the morning finally came, and he woke up, he had breakfast, and his dad said, You can do this. He said, Okay. So the little boy grabs his walking stick, and he walks out the door. And he starts walking, but he trips, and he falls, and then he, he's miscounted his steps. And so, He's standing there realizing, okay, I'm lost. And he's just frozen in fear and confusion. And then he hears a voice kind of beside him and it says, Hey, uh, son, are, are you lost? It looks like you're lost. And he said, Actually, yes, like I, I am. Could, you know, this is where I'm headed. This is how many turns I need to make. And this older man just kind of points him in the right direction. And the boy says, Thank you. And he starts walking away and he turns around and he says, Wait, sir, like how did you know that I was lost? And the old man kind of leaned into the boy and he said, there's actually a man across the street right now. He noticed that you were lost and he told me to go over and tell you that, you're, that, that, that you needed to go in the right direction. But I don't think you were supposed to know that. And the reality is that in all the confusion and the unknown, the boy's dad was watching him the entire time. That is the reality of God with us. That he is sovereign over all things, watching over you this morning. And we can live out of the reality of that love and obey him and make decisions even when we don't know the outcomes. St. Augustine said this, love God and do what you want. (laughs) That is God's will. When we love him, we want to obey him and do what he says and then feel the freedom to do what you want. Doesn't that sound like good news? (laughs) When relating to God's will, obsessing over the future is not how God wants us to live. Because showing us the future is not God's way. His way is to speak to us in the scriptures and transform us by the renewing of our minds. His way is not a crystal ball or a magic eight ball. His way is wisdom. His will for you this morning and for every day and until you see him face to face to become like his beloved son Jesus. He has planned out every detail of our lives, the joyous days, and yes, the difficult days, which he promises is for our good and for his glory. Because we can rest in the comfort of God's will of decree, we can radically commit ourselves to his will of desire and obey him without worrying over a hidden will of direction. And in wisdom, we can make a decision. That's an invitation. Let's pray. Father, we praise you that you are sovereign this morning. Lord, you are Lord over all things. I thank you for PCPC Youth Group. Lord, I I especially pray for those juniors and seniors who are considering college and applying and have a lot of decisions on the horizon. Lord, would they trust you? Would they seek after you? Lord, you promise us in in, in your word that your will for our lives is to become more like your son, Jesus. Lord, we long to love you more. We long to obey you. We, we, we confess this morning that we, we need wisdom. We need your help. We need wisdom out of your word. Father, we need wisdom from others around us. Lord, would you continue to please guide this group? Would you continue to strengthen them and transform them by your word? Lord, would you help us to continue to fix our eyes on Jesus in seeking his kingdom and his righteousness in all the decisions we make. It's in Jesus' name, amen.